Hi guys, Ben here, back with another Innovate Now podcast. So in this one, we're going to look at Vin Sumner, CEO of Clicks and Links, recent talk at our Innovate Now e-learning event. Easily one of my favorite Innovate Now events. Thanks again to everybody for coming. If you didn't come, check out this podcast. It's going to give you a great feel for what was discussed and some of the really beneficial topics that went on. So Vin is going to be telling us about the benefits of AR and VR for training and educational applications. But that's not all. Do you think we would ever just leave you hanging with one amazing speaker? Not on our Nelly. Next week, you've got to wait a little bit. We keep you teased. But next week, we're going to be releasing the second part of the podcasts featuring discussions from Dominic Lasardi of Middlesbrough-based studio Immersion and Dr. James Gupta, founder and CEO of Synap. Dom is going to take us through the benefits of a totally immersive training program and how the sophistication of the materials learned can be increased by adding real-world objects with digital-world impacts. Really, it's about how to familiarize yourself with a position in which you might, in real life, freak out. However, through repeating it in the digital world, you're able to be a little bit sharper, be a little bit quicker, and react to it in a more, let's say, safe and thought-through way. Third on the podcast, last but by no means least, we are going to have Dr. James Gupta sharing his insights into the psychology behind increasing knowledge retention using mobile platforms like Synap. Something to listen out for in that particular podcast is the grey matter elephant brain metaphor. I'd personally never heard something like that before and it really makes a lot of sense when you think about it. So really hope you enjoy these podcasts, guys. Check us out on the internet. Get us on our Twitter to hear more from me or more from the team. You can get us on Twitter at InnovateNowTech. Or if you want to learn more about our facilitator, the wonderful Hedgehog Lab, you can do so on their Twitter at Hedgehog Lab or on the website HedgehogLab.com. Thank you all very much. Hope you enjoy the podcasts. Peace out. Speak soon. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Uh, yeah, so um, I've come over the hills. Uh, in fact, I've been staying over in um, Westgate, near somewhere near Durham, for last week with, uh, with the family. So it's actually quite uh, opportune to come, come up over here and, and, and talk to you. Um, we've been around since 2000. Uh, we're based in the, the northern quarter in Manchester, which is, for those of you who know the city, it's kind of the Shoreditch of, of Manchester. It's that kind of trendy part of the city, maybe it's the equivalent to this part of Newcastle, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know the city well enough to know that. Um, we've always been doing tech, we're a tech company, we've always been doing sort of, uh, I suppose at any time, sort of leading edge technology of varying sorts. So we built a wireless network across Manchester back in the early 2000s and then we built websites for local authorities when they didn't know what they were. But somewhere I got along this journey I got into to virtual worlds and Sean uh, up there was reminding me that um, it was about 10 years ago uh, today near enough that we actually met in Tampa in, uh, in Florida at the Second Life convention. Uh, for those of you who uh, have ever been into Second Life or, uh, or been there and come out again quickly and whatever, uh, back, in, back in the day they actually had a couple of, or maybe more, I think there was, I'd gone to the one before, the year before in Chicago. And you meet all these people, and some of them, like me and Sean, were kind of dressed as we are now, kind of normal. Met in an Irish bar or whatever it would be. 
Uh, a lot of the other people there were dressed as their avatars that they were in Second Life, and they, they persisted their characters uh, into, into that world. And I guess with the launch earlier this year of uh, Ready Player One, which to me is like Second Life on steroids meets Lord of the Rings or something like that, um, these the sort of conversations that were had about that world have uh, sort of come back. I mean, Second Life itself seems to have kind of, I guess, become more of a dating agency than anything else uh, these days. So I think still a few universities uh, hang around in that space. But that, that's, that, that sort of period started. We, we built all sorts of crazy things in Second Life. We ran concerts and uh, built oil platforms and things. But then we, we carried on beyond Second Life uh, to use other products to really look at how virtual worlds and then more subsequently VR and AR um, could be used for serious applications. So our world is really one of the serious application of these technologies rather than, than games. So most of the people who work for me tend to have come from a games development world. They, they escape from games for a while, come and work on oil platforms or nuclear power stations and often they want to go back to games. But um, that's, that, that's, that's kind of our world that, we're, that we live in now. Um, but I want to talk about a particular aspect of that tonight, which is learning. I think, I mean, I've traipsed around many places over the last five, six, seven, eight, nine years, demoing VR and things like that, and everyone gets very excited. They put headsets on, or some of them do, some of them don't, um, and they get excited. But it's kind of often innovative projects, innovative parts of organisations that, that take to it. And it's a challenge to find real use cases at times, um, or even the use cases are are complex and therefore the technology is only one part of it and you need to change massively an organisation. So I think what I've seen certainly is that there's a couple of places where the buy-in is more easy and that's around learning and training where often you're, you're just talking to one part of an organisation and it's a relatively straightforward win for that part of the organisation to bring some sort of immersive training in. I think the other place where it works well is in the sort of marketing promotional side. But look at the operations side. I mean, we're doing some work with Network Rail at the moment around kind of VR to inspect stuff and AR to maintain it. And it's an absolute nightmare organisationally. Not technically. It's an absolute nightmare to try and bring that organisation together to deliver something uh, with these new technologies. So it's more about a, some massive change management thing that is about technology. Um, so I think it's really important that some of the, uh, the simpler use cases get get going because then they, they get this technology into people's minds. Um, I think the other thing that I've learned is that yet the fact that I might understand it and I might be able to understand this complex VR world or whatever it is, most people are probably not there and they need to take it in stages over that journey. And things like 360 video, even though the purists would probably say that's not really VR, let people call it VR because it's a part of a, it's a stage on a, a route, a route to sort of bigger VR where you can go where you, you want to and things like that. And that's what we found is that people are, uh, are much happier to engage with that because they can run it on their phones or, or, or whatever it would, would be. Uh, and so I think there's, there's, there's that, that, that important element. Um, I, I love this quote, um, tell me and I forget, teach me and I may remember, involve me and I learn. Uh, I'm not actually sure what Benjamin Franklin was talking about, but it's often used as quote. He certainly probably wasn't talking about virtual reality, uh, given it was over whatever a number of years ago, two, nearly 200 years ago, I, I, I guess. Uh, but I think it does say a lot about what immersion can do in terms of uh, getting people to understand, uh, and rather than just telling people stuff, uh, involving them in, in things, or however that would, would come about, is a much more engaging way and much more lasting way of, of learning. Um, 
these are the NHS guidelines on how to ride a bike. Um, I don't know how many people ever read these guidelines before they got on a bike and rode it, yeah? But I expect most people got on a bike and fell off a few times and they learnt by that route. Uh, and that's kind of what a lot of this stuff's about, isn't it? It's about getting into space. We, we can get access to loads of data and stuff these days, you know, from wherever. I mean, when I, when I was a kid, it was the other way around. You were being told, do your times tables or whatever these things are. You've been told to ca capture data. But now you can get that from lots of places. What it's now about is actually experiencing stuff, actually learning how to use that data rather than just having to re recall it in some, some, some way. Uh, but I'll come back to bikes, bikes later because we have a... A VR bike, which uh, makes use of Mo bikes, and I see there's a few Mo bikes uh, uh, around um, uh, Newcastle as well. Um, the sorts of technologies that uh, I think we have today at our disposal, in some sense, uh, are quite wide, and uh, there is a, a sense, and they're all muddled up. Certainly, in the, perhaps everybody here understands the differences, but I think out on the street and in companies and corporate organisations, they don't. They just play. Virtual reality is the same as augmented reality. It's the same as 360 video. It's, and it is a, it is, we have to be careful about how we explain some of these things. Uh, for me, there's uh, the screen-based stuff still. I mean, we talked about Second Life before. That was, and, and some of the big games like World of Warcraft, those sort of things. They're massively engaging and immersive, even though they're not, no one's wearing a headset. Uh, you don't have to wear a headset to be immersive. I think we sometimes uh, assume that everyone's going to put a headset on to get immersed in something. It's not, not true at all. Uh, 360 video, I, I think, is great. In fact, there's a 360 uh, YouTube channel and you can go and swim with the sharks or, or whatever it is. It does actually bridge uh, some of these technologies for people. And it's really important to do that. Um, I remember probably seven or eight years ago, we were talking to a, a, a college about doing some teaching in uh, Second Life. And uh, they wanted us to build a lecture theatre uh, or, or a format a bit like this, really. And um, I said, why do you want us to do that? Well, because that's what I do in the real world. I stand up in front of a bunch of people and I talk, yeah? I said, well, actually, what do you want to talk about? Making bridges or something. Let's put you on a bridge. Let's uh, put you on the moon if you want to talk about the moon, because we can do that. You don't have to be constrained by physical things anymore. And they thought to me, it was like some strange person was talking to me. They did. They were really struggling to get that transition, and in the end, we had to make the lecture theatre because actually, it was a step on the way to getting them to do something more. And I think we as technologists need to be sometimes careful that we don't leap too far forward and we lose the people that we're trying to take with us. And if they're the people at the end of the day who are going to benefit, uh, then they won't, they won't save the money or make the money or whatever it, whatever it is that they're doing. Um, Interactive 360, I think, is a really powerful tool, particularly for training. Um, all the realities, augmented, mixed, whatever, X, yes. Um, in certain circumstances, I'll come to some examples later. Um, collaborative uh, AR, VR. Uh, experiential visualisation, that's a big word, I know. Um, I'll come back to the bike later, because that's, that's where I think we can get to on some of this stuff. We can actually put people into experiences and see what they do uh, and, and how they react. But when we're looking at, at, at learning, I think one of the things that uh, I was asked to talk about today was, you know, all these different technologies, what do you use where and when? Uh, and because people are, are trying these styles in different sorts of ways. And so I'll talk a little bit about the um, different sorts of learning uh, that you can get. And then I've got a few examples. They are from our world. Uh, I'm not really trying to sell them. I'm just, I'm just using them as, a, as examples from, from industry. Uh, and they're quite varied as well, which I think 
uh, which hopefully you'll find interesting. So, really important thing with this is, you know, how many people are you trying to train? You know, a couple of people is one thing. Uh, you can probably uh, spend time with them looking with head large headsets and all this sort of stuff. If it's 10,000, um, I'll come to an example we did with a co-op retail group. They want to train all their, their store staff. You know, so that's, you know, think about how you're going to do that immersively. Um, is, it, is it people on their own? Is it people in groups? Um, what sort of interactivity do you want in there? Um, how replicable is it going to be? Uh, what sort of level of detail? Do you care whether it's photorealistic? Do you care that it looks like the real world? Do you want it to be a model-based thing? Does that matter? Uh, do you want real-time data in? Um, so is it multi-user, collaborative? Uh, often the biggest thing at the moment is you know, what devices do people have either available or can actually afford? Um, again, if it's a large number of people, the likelihood of them having anything other than a phone is quite, is quite low. Today, maybe in five years, it might be different. What are the budgets? How are people are going to evaluate? So I think you need to think all these things into consideration, uh, and that will drive you to different technological solutions, um, all of which are, are valid in their own ways. Um, and what, what I've put together, and it's, this, is, this is not scientific, it's just my, my jottings, if you like, and putting some thoughts down. Um, the sort of first thing is when we, when we talk about thousands of people, and it's people self-learning, um, often wanting to use real-world examples, um, perhaps even also uh, you might need to, you, you're happy with a, a static image or something like that. And I think there you can quite happily use 360 images or video uh, on Google Cardboard or maybe if we're getting a bit sophisticated, go to something like Oculus Go now or, or whatever. Because that can actually reach out to a large number of people. I mean, generally, it's going to be fixed. It's not going to, you're not going to be able to dynamically change it, probably. Um, but we've, we've got really good examples there with the co-op. I'll show you an exam the actual example. They wanted to show people what um, a good store looked like. So we basically videoed a store and then got people to put headset on, go around the store, and when they saw a problem, they'd tap the side of the headset and that would be recorded. Um, to be fair, we, we did it wrong initially. We did, we did it with video. Uh, and actually, we don't really need video even in that circumstance. We can actually do it with 360 stills. Um, and that actually would have reduced the size of the app by quite a lot. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm in this room and want to spot issues with the room that nothing to do with people, I don't need a video. I just have a 360 still and look around it and, 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 and spot things. If there's people doing stuff, then that's, that's, that's different. Uh, we've got a similar project we've done with that sort of technology for EDF Energy, who are building Hinkley Point C down in Somerset somewhere. So theirs is all about health and safety. So the biggest challenge there was actually getting on the site to take the pictures, but take pictures of a construction site and what's wrong if a person's not wearing a uh, hard hat or there's not enough barriers or those sorts of things. Um, I think also a simple level of learning for large numbers with, is, is some sort of AR with marker. Um, our example there is somebody who's doing some dentistry. So rather than reading lots of books, you have a marker, the phone, and it pulls up an image of a tooth and you take, strip the layers off and you can, you can see it. So again, suitable for large numbers, of, large numbers of people. And I think, so we're going to have to rely on phones for a, for a while for that. Um, I think the next level is probably where you're talking about some classroom-based learning, where for whatever reason uh, people 
uh, are happy to take groups through something. Um, you don't have to go out to thousands of people at the same time. Uh, and maybe also starting to think about, I want to change the scene in some way, rather than just, obviously, videos and photographs, are, you, you can change them in some sort of ways, but it's really, that gets into, into, into a really hard box, I suppose. But if you want to create a, uh, in our case, Murphy construction, a uh, model of a construction site that looks more like a game environment, and every time you go, it's different. Yeah. You can't quite do that with video unless, or stills unless you've taken loads and loads of them. Um, and that um, often where the, the, train, the, the trainers want to communicate with the person as well. So what they're doing in this case is they're, they're using, um, in fact, uh, Murphy are using, uh, are using a Vive. Um, and they're, they're taking people through it so that they're actually not just leaving people to self-learn, they're actually assisting them to go through the actual learning process. And I think that's, that's where the sort of um, larger headsets, more dynamic world starts to come into play. Equally, if you want to do some sort of collaborative learning, and the Oculuses, the vibes and things start to, start to become valuable in, in those. Um, we've done other similar sort of stuff with like, Transport for London, uh, you know, going around a construction site and a rail, um, a rail site. And, uh, the, the couple of examples and my, my C, my sort of individual collaborative simulation of the real world, is uh, for things like really complex uh, situations. So if you've got a, uh, someone going into a nuclear site and you want to, they don't want to be in there very long, clearly. Uh, so you want to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. Then these sorts of technologies start to become important for that because you can, you can do that again and again, but you're not going to be training lots of, lots of people and you can, you can create different scenarios and, and, and things like that. Um, what I'm calling experiential training, that's kind of where we're perhaps making it even more like real life by bringing some real objects into, this, into it. So it's a mixture of the real world and, and the virtual world to make you feel like you really are there. So I'll show you a little video later of our VR bike. So basically you're riding a real bike, but you're riding through Manchester. Sorry, not Newcastle, but Manchester. Um, and the other one, which is kind of quite new, and I can't say tons about it, but it's like surgery training, where you're actually using real instruments in the real world, but what you see is augmented by your actions and, and things like that. So you're actually mixing, it's not even VR, it's actually screen-based, but it's, you know, if, if you're, you, you're, you're, you're touching some objects in the way you might touch the human body, and if that, if that object, if you touch that object in the wrong place, it will bleed, uh, and, and things like that. And so uh, that's that's really quite um, quite powerful uh, sort of experiential stuff. Uh, and then the other thing is is I think the sort of on-site training, where uh, you know an engineer has gone to site to fix something, and you can use things like AR to provide them with details of what it is they fix. Um, I think. Of all the technologies at the moment that we've been talking about, uh, I think that's probably where we're still struggling a little bit um, in terms of, yes, there's, there's kit, HoloLens, Daiquiri, these sorts of things, but using them on at scale in real situations, I think quite limited at, at the moment. I mean, I, I was saying to Sean earlier that uh, we're doing this project with Network Rail and we went to a meeting with them and this guy said, there is no way that anybody with a headset is ever going to go near a railway line. End story. Right now, we know that. Well, true. In ten years' time, people will be using some sort of 
glass or whatever it is, and they'll be getting information about stuff rather than going around poking with a screwdriver and have six people looking out, looking down the line. But large organisations take a hell of a lot of time to change, particularly in that, in that, that sort of area. Um, so those, those are the kinds of uh, different sort of immersive scenarios that we have. So that's a, a whistle-stop tour through various ways of using this sort of tech for learning, training, that type of thing. Hope it was of interest. Thanks. So that was Vin Sumner. Wasn't that great? Didn't we all learn? It's actually interesting to hear it again. It just means you pick up things that you might not have got in the first place. Thank you all so much for listening. If you're in the Northeast and you're interested in attending Innovate Now, you can search innovatenow.tech to find out more about the latest event. You can follow our Twitter account at innovatenowtech to keep up with latest from the team and the latest on the events. If you guys could please just do us a big, big favor, like this podcast, share this podcast, please leave us some feedback. It's the only way that we're going to get better at this. We really do appreciate it. Thank you all so much. Take care. Goodbye.